Hallelujah. He's been so good to us. Hallelujah. Let's continue to worship the Lord and the beauty of his holiness. Hallelujah. We are set free by the blood and by the name and the power of Jesus Christ. So let's put our hands together again because we are free. Free from the bondage of this world. We are in the light now. We were once blind and now our eyes are open. To know that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. How many of you are glad to be set free today? Hallelujah. 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 We give God praise for another time to be in his presence. Amen. Excited to know that Jesus is alive. And that's all that matters. Jesus is alive and there is hope to this dying and gross world. There is hope for you who are watching from near and far. There is hope for you. We are the Christ in the church where Christ is our central focus that we preach Jesus and him crucified Amen. and you can be saved by the name and by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. We give God praise for another Sunday morning. I'm happy to be amongst the God's people. God is a great God and we serve him and we're here to pray today that his presence will permeate through the airways and in this house because God is doing something in this place. You're in a, you're at the right place watching us at the right time. 
for a blessing and a miracle for you if you just receive it because we are believing you for God for you today that every answered prayer will be met today and God will do the turnaround for your life. And those who are here, believe God in faith that we are touching and agreeing because we act in faith. We believe that he is who he is. We understand that he is the only God that can save and heal us and can deliver us. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Father, we give you praise and glory for all that you have done, the request that has been made unto you, God. Those who have written the comments in our on our app and in our social media platforms, we are touching and agreeing for our prayer requests and needs for our, our those loved ones and those who are watching and those who are participating in our worship. Father, they may not be here, but we are believing God for their strength. We're believing God for their salvation. Father, you are the God that can heal all diseases, all sicknesses. Father, there's nothing you cannot do. And even in this very house, we believe in God that you'll do a work in today. We pray for the strength of those who are weak. We're praying for the heart of those who are broken. And we believe that, God, you're mending it today. We believe, God, you're turning it around today. We believe, God, that you're going to give us the victory. And you've given us the victory before. Father, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we may ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God, we believe that it shall be done, and we're going to worship the Lord. Let's give some praise unto God. Let's lift our voices. Let's worship God with our praise team, because he alone is worthy. He alone deserves the glory. Let's lift up a high praise in the house, and let's show the world that we are still here in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
in this place.
all these mercies we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. And we say amen. Come forward with your tithes and offering, please.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful to be in the house of the Lord one more time. We do not take for granted any opportunity that God has given us to be together, to be in his house, and to celebrate his goodness. And so I'm glad to be here this morning. Thank God for all of you that are here this morning. Those of you who have joined us uh, online, we say we have an online congregation, and we mean that because there are some people that are so faithful, um, faithful part of Christ Center Church that joins us every Sunday online because they're not able to be here uh, in presence. Um, we have folks in New York. We have folks um, in Florida, in Canada, and so many places around the country and even across the globe that have joined us. And we welcome them to our service this morning here in Hamilton, New Jersey. Amen. Thank God for all of you. We had a great service this morning at 9 a.m. What a great service. God really spoke to us, blessed us, and touched us, and um, we're so grateful. I'm trying to figure out when we move, um, should we change our service time? We're going back to one service when we move, and so now the struggle is here because the the people that comes at 9 o'clock, you know, they're going to have to change and uh, start coming to the 1030, um, and so, you know, I don't know. We have to look at that. We might have to go, we, we won't go to 9 o'clock, I promise you. I won't go to 9 o'clock, at least by 10. So, I don't know, we, we can talk about it some more and see what would be best when we move and go to one service. Should we go to 10 a.m. Um, or should we just keep our 10.30? So, we will talk about that. We're not going to 9.30, nope, no, 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 no. You guys know better than that. People already complain they need to sleep in on Sundays and, you know, they think church getting in the way of their Sunday mornings. So I'm trying my best to make sure they have all the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so I don't want to make it too early. Amen. Some of you might like it, but the majority won't like it. Amen. I just want to mention one thing real quick before I get into the word of the Lord. And that is, as all of you know, um, that um, we are probably days away from um, purchasing our new property and um, being able to have um, a place where we can go and worship, where everyone can be together at one time. And so we're days away from that. Um, our closing date is set um, for October. And so, um, you know, we started out by telling you we, need, we needed $1.7 million. We kept saying that, right? And you heard us for many times. We need $1.7 million. Uh, we launched a stewardship campaign, and the stewardship campaign, we had pledges for $176,000. So we needed $1.7 million. We had a stewardship campaign that we launched. That um, commitment says $176,000. And um, so that's a far, far um, distance between $1.7 and, um, and, and $176,000. Well, um, the, the, the majority of the money came by um, a loan by the bank. bank committed $1.2 million to us, and so we need to raise the rest of it. Um, and where we are today to ra raise the rest of it to make sure we are ready for the closing is we are $85,000 away. 
So from all of that that we've been talking about and all the monies that we were raising, we are $85,000 away. So if you can find, you know, just a little bit more to give so we can get over that threshold of having that 85000 to make the transaction and uh, make sure we're all good, please um, help us. Um, we are close enough and we want to do God's will. So if you want to be part of what God is doing and you want to be a part of doing God's will and you can financially give to support this endeavor, please do because we're right there um, and um, we can make this all work if we can raise another $85,000. The good news is we, we committed to $176,000, but we raised so far $196,000. So we outgained what we said we would raise. And here is the better news. The stewardship campaign is for two years. We started it last year in September. And so, yeah, so we, we started in September of last year today. And so it's only been one year. The stewardship campaign is for two years. And so in in one year, we have raised $196,000, and we had pledged to raise $176,000 in two years. So if you realize, we have really exceeded our goal. And so we thank God for all of your giving and all of your sacrifice. But if we can just come up with $85,000 more, that would be wonderful. So if you know somebody wants to give, give. If you can give, give. And we can complete this thing and let the Lord's will be done. Amen. I can't wait till we get to the transaction and purchase. I'm telling you, it's been a long journey and um, trying to get everything done. Believe me, it's a lot that's involved, um, just a lot involved. And um, I, th I think even though I'm not a construction person, I think the build out of the place will probably be a lot more exciting than um, the process of trying to obtain the finances to purchase the property. So um, I think um, we'll, we'll have a better time there um, as we seek, because once we purchase, we have to set up the sanctuary to be a sanctuary. And so that would be interesting. Um, we've got the Church in the Day group that's coming to help us with that. And so we'll have a good time doing that. But the transition, the transaction of the building is going to take place in a few more days. So please, if you can, before we get to the table, the bank need that money. They said, hey, we'll give you $1.2 million if you can come up with this much money. And so we're trying to come up with the money that the bank said we need to come up with for $85,000 short. So please, if you can help us, please help us. Let's stand to our feet. Jump to your feet if you can just for a few moments. We're going to get into the reading of the word of God in Job chapter 1, verse number 9. Job chapter 1, verse number 9. I had a great uh, distinct honor yesterday. Yesterday we did an, uh, a, pastoral in, a pastoral installation service in Monroe Township, New Jersey. The church is not in Monroe Township, New Jersey, but um, the location where we did the installation service was in Monroe Township, New Jersey. And that was a great time. Um, we have um, a new pastor taking over uh, a, a congregation that was already established. But the new pastor is a new pastor. He started pastoring recently. Um, a small congregation and he has taken over another congregation because that pastor moved to Texas and so now they merged the two congregations together. So we did a pastoral installation yesterday and we had a great time. God blessed and God spoke and um, we're doing some great things in our district. Um, God is doing some great things and so we thank God. We have a strong um, Spanish constituency in our district 
and it's only right that located in this area, you have to be diverse. Um, uh, I tell people from the day we started this church, we want a diverse church um, because that's our communities all around us. Uh, we just don't have one kind of people around us. As you know, you go outside your door, you look next door, you look across the street, over on the next street. Uh, there's a diverse um, group of people all around us, and the church should resemble the communities that are all around us. And so I thank God for what he's doing in our district because we have a very diverse district, even starting with our leadership from our district board down. And then within our um, churches, we have a great diversity in our district. So we thank God for that and what he's doing. Uh, I love it when we all come together. If you ever see our district come together and you see what's going on, you're like, wow, this is this is really good. And so we have people from every walk of life where we come together. And um, that's what heaven will be like, church. Heaven will be filled with people from every walk of life. So um, we got to love people if we plan to be in heaven. Not just your kind of people. You got to love everybody if you plan to be in heaven. Well, the word of God will probably help you a little bit better than that this morning. Job chapter 1, verse number 9. Again, welcome everyone to Christ Center Church, to our online congregation. We welcome you, and we're glad you are with us. In the book of Job, chapter 1, verse number 9, the word of the Lord says in the NIV version, Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your hands. But if the man himself do not lay a finger, then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So what you have here, in case some of you don't know and not familiar with this, uh, Satan presented himself before the Lord, and the Lord and Satan engaged in a conversation uh, about Job. The Lord has conversation about us, conversations about us that we might not know about. I told you some weeks ago that people have conversations about you that you don't know about. And a lot of times, the way how life will move for you will depend on the conversations that's being had where you are not present. And so Satan and the Lord had a conversation. And the Lord said to Satan said to the Lord, Job is only serving you because of what you do for him. And Satan went on to say, I tell you what, Lord, I guarantee if you take all Job's stuff, Job will not serve you because he was only serving you for the stuff anyway. And the Lord said unto Satan, all right, I'll tell you what. I will give you authority to destroy the stuff that Job has, but you can't touch his life. I thought that was interesting as I was reading that this morning. The Lord says, I will allow you to destroy or to get rid of or to take his substance, but you cannot touch his life. The devil is a liar. The devil is a deceiver. The devil is a destroyer. And it's interesting to me. You ready for this? This just, in reading it, just this 
while I thought about this. Let me quote the, the, the verse it says. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is yours. I put it in your hands. But of the man himself, do not lay a finger on him. Now, you know what's interesting about that? The devil didn't obey when he was supposed to obey. But how did he obey when God says, you don't lay a finger on him? That's very interesting. When he was in heaven all by himself, you know, as Lucifer, we'll get to that in a little bit. He didn't obey God. But in this instance, he did. That's interesting. Let's, we'll percolate on that. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for what you have already done among us. Now let this group be blessed just as you have blessed the earlier group, Lord God. That we will not leave this place this morning the same way. That the power of God will move upon each and every one of us. There are people that are pondering different things in their heart and their mind even now. Oh God, will you intervene into their thinking right now, Lord God, and for the next few moments, allow your spirit, your word to minister to them. That whatever that's a hindrance to them receiving, to them being touched, to them being healed, to them being delivered, to them being set free, whatever that's in their way this morning, Lord God, that will prevent them from entering into the throne room, into your presence and experiencing your touch. Will you remove it, Lord, and allow them to freely experience your glory, to freely experience your presence? I ask that your will be done in this service before we leave here today. In Jesus' name, can everyone say amen? Thank you very much for standing. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord and thank him. You may be seated. Amen. We have a guest with us this morning. Kino, that's how you say your name, Kino. Kino, nice to have you. Thank you for coming. Amen. We're glad that you can be with us this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Kino, Kino, you're traveling from a long ways. Amen. Many have made Christianity out to be selfish. I mentioned this morning that I like to talk to people. I like to visit with people and not necessarily Christians. I like to talk to people because I like to hear what they're saying. You see, my objective many times is to share the gospel message with folks. And, and, and depending on their thoughts and depending on where they're coming from will depend on how I share the message. And so to know how to share the message, you need to do a lot of listening so you can know how to share the message. A lot of times us as church people, Christian people, we just go ahead and just start talking because we know what we know and we know that what we know is truth. But it's not always wise to just go bombard people and tell them what God says and tell them what the word says. And if you don't listen, you in trouble. Got to listen. Got to hear what people are talking about. You got you to gotta know what they have been exposed to. And, and, and so you will know how you can share the word of God with them effectively. Because if you don't know what they've been exposed to, you can go ahead and tell them something and it just won't resonate because in their mind, what are you talking about? Yeah. Because of what they have experienced. So it's good to talk to people who are not Christians. 
And sometimes you just talk to them for a while without even mentioning anything about Jesus. You're just listening, and then when God prompts you to begin to speak, then you will speak intelligently and effectively. There's a group of people among us that believe that Christians or Christianity is a selfish religion. They believe Christianity only serves man's interests like anything else. There are people that feel that way. Everybody's not living for God. And, and, and there's a reason why everyone is not living for God. They just didn't decide I'm not living for God. It's a reason. We normally do things because of our reasoning behind it. This is why when the policemen begin to investigate crimes, one of the biggest things they want to know as to how to solve the crime is what was the motive. And so we all have a motive for why we do what we do. We just don't do things without a motive. We have a motive as to why we're doing it. And so most people think the motive of Christianity is selfish. Come on and help me. They look at it from the perspective of it's like investments made in the moral world or even investments made in the material world. Those investment is solely made with view and perspective of dividends, return. And so I'm here this morning to help you understand that just like the world and even some of us in the church, our actions usually, our motive for our action normally derive from a self-interest perspective. The great contention of ethical principle is whether any human action is ever or can be performed without more or less the subtle impulse of self-interest. When you do what you do, are you doing it for any other reasons other than self-interest? Some say that we serve God as we do our duties. Some say we serve God as we love our children. Some say we serve God like we would sacrifice for our country as soldiers. Some say we serve God for the sake of what we can get out of it. Why do you serve God? Satan insinuates that the man who professes to serve God is, after all, only serving himself and is making God nothing more than a convenience, a purveyor to his own selfish profit and pleasure. So the devil is accusing you this morning. In case you don't know, I'll tell you, Satan is accusing you. That you're only here this morning because of what God can do for you. The devil is accusing you 
that you're only here today because of the benefits. You're not here for any other interest but self-interest. That's what the devil is accusing God this morning you of. Is he right? We must remember that self is the very root and essence of sin. That's because the water is cold. These are the little battles that I fight in my life. I know I'm not supposed to drink cold water, but I like cold water. These are these battles, and I think they, they spill over. Some of you got some the same kind of thing. I know I'm not supposed to drink cold water because when it goes down when it's cold, you know, it's just whatever. And if it was room temperature, I wouldn't be feeling like this. And But I like cold water. We must remember that self is the very root and essence of sin. Self is selfish. It only wants to please itself. Self doesn't worry about who it hurts in attempt to please self. Our self-interest will always hurt, debase, or dishonor others. If we live for self, we are living for sin and in sin. Mm-hmm. Your self-interest will always lead to sin. Your self-interest will always debase others, will always dishonor others. How often we have to think about the conversations we have that we don't have to tear anybody down to tell somebody good about what you have done. But somehow in our, li- in, our, in, in our conversations, in how we live, we always feel like in order to prove our point, we have to make somebody else look bad. Self-interest. Why can't you just tell the story of what God has done in your life and just keep it there? Why you got to say, but man, you don't understand. They're they not right over there. We got to add that part in. So as we tell people about the goodness that God has done for us, we got to now tell about the bad things God, God, we got to talk about the bad thing that other people are experiencing. We can't just tell our story that God has given us at face value. We have to tell it and make it sound real good and then make somebody else's story don't sound so good. That's how we kind of do because that's what self do. Self-interest did not originate with us. It was passed on to us. If your life has been driven and led and directed from a place of self-interest, you are not even living your own thoughts and own ways and own desires out because your self-interest did not begin with you. Self-interest. Here's how self-interest came about. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. It says this. How? Art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? Watch this. For thou hast said in thine heart. He didn't say it out loud. He said it in his heart. Only God knows your heart. 
I will ascend into heaven. This is what Lucifer said in his heart. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. We just went through two eyes. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, three eyes. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Five eyes. Lucifer is telling you what his self-interest is. This is before you and I were created. He was telling the Lord in his heart what his self-interest was. Lucifer was the one that first started self-interest. Not you, not me. It was Lucifer. And Lucifer passed it on. You you know, I don't know if you ever heard this before, but you know why the devil cannot be saved? You know how God is loving and kind and he's redemptive and he will save everybody? Why do you think the, the Lord won't save the devil? Because when there was no devil, he couldn't live for God. Think about it. Who influenced him to do wrong? There was no wrong anywhere he was. It was perfect where he was. There was nobody trying to convince him to do wrong. It was all right where he was. But he just decided to do wrong. He is, he cannot be redeemed. You and I, on the other hand, thank God for Lucifer. I know you never heard that statement before. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because we were induced to do wrong. He started this thing from the very beginning trying to destroy us. He tried to get us to live wrong and to live foul and to live ungodly. So guess what? We didn't start out on our own. We were led down this path. So we have an opportunity to be redeemed. Never said that a day in your life, right? Thank you, Lucifer. <laughs> like, what in the world? But he could not do right when everything around him was holy and righteous. He could not live right when everything around him was perfect. So what would ever make him live right? <laughs> and so Lucifer introduced to us that self-interest mentality. And when he introduced it, it was off to the races. In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 6, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she saw it was good for her, not anybody else. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. To who eyes? Her eyes. Nobody else's eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. She wanted it. It's going to make her wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Misery love company. As soon as we start doing wrong, we try to go find people to help us do wrong. That was from the beginning. But Lucifer was all about self-interest. And then he introduced that same spirit to Eve. And Adam bought into it as well. And so today, we all living under this, 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 this deception. We're all living this lifestyle of self-interest and think it's normal. Self-interest is not normal. It is what the devil introduced to us, and we've been running with it ever since. 
Satan, your accuser, is accusing you of only reverencing God, only serving God because of your very own self-interest. You're only serving God for the rewards that he can give to you. You're only serving God because he has kept you from danger. You're only serving God because he healed you from your sickness. You're you're only serving God because you want to go to heaven and not go to hell. You're only serving God because you want his blessings that he provides. You're only serving God for future rewards. You are only serving God for what you can get out the deal. But church, I'm here to tell you today, uh, that I've been sent to you today to challenge you uh, to search yourselves uh, as to why you are serving God today. Why are you serving God today? Because the devil, Satan, your accuser has gone to God to tell him look at her, look at him only sitting in that church because of what you can do for them. They don't want nothing to do with you. They only want what you can give them. That's what the devil is telling God about you. Some of us haven't surrendered our life to Christ because of self-interest. Ready for this? You believe your present state serves your self-interest better than living for God. If how we live our life is about self-interest, the only reason why most of us or all of us aren't living for God is because we have determined whether we speak it out loud or not. Remember, the devil didn't speak out loud what he wanted. It was in his heart. So whatever is in your heart, this is what's in it. However, it's, it's set up in your heart. You just have to understand what it's all about. You are not serving God Because what you have concluded so far, so far, because that can change, so far in your life is that, you know what, right now, how I'm living serves me better than what you're trying to convince me of. Think about it. Because we can't help ourselves, and we're all about self-interest, if we're not living for God, somehow our inner being has convinced us that we don't need to live for God because how we're living serves us better right now than living for God will. Can't get you to buy into that, huh? Well, I'm telling you, that's what it is. Some people that decided to serve God, was they said, Whew, if I don't live for God, I'm going to be dead before I'm 50 self-interest. If I don't stop doing what I'm doing and going to the church, I'm going to go through misery. Self-interest. I've got to make sure I'm saved and living for God before I get married. Self-interest. Oh, yeah, I can go on and on today. Because once I get a hold of the word of God and God is showing me in the scripture how legit it is, I can run with that. And God is showing me how legit this is. It's all about self-interest. And because we're not living because God, in our mind, God can't give us the, the things that we want and how we want it. We're saying, God, you may be God, but right now what I'm doing is more beneficial to me than what you can do for me right now, God. That's what you're really saying. Whether you agree with that or not, that's what you're saying. Because, you're, because we are creatures of 
Whatever the best deal is, give it to me. My poor grandmother. He, as you know, she will catch three buses, maybe not three, maybe two. She'll catch two buses and do all of this stuff to save about 30, 30 cents on something that she buys. That's expensive. I'm going over here and go buy it. She got to catch two buses to go over here and buy it to save 30 cents. I'm convinced she's just like the deal because it don't add up. It doesn't make good sense to me. <laughs> and to be her age and being able to run all over town, God bless her. So, but, 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 but in her mind, I'm going over here to get the deal. And that's kind of how we are. Wherever the deal is, that's where we're going. Whatever gives us the best deal, that's what we're taking. And we live this life of making deals. And so one day we come into the church and we started out with this church thing, making deals. Ask Mama Allen. I know this is not the case today, but how she got saved, she made a deal. God, if you will bring me through this procedure, I'll serve you. That's what Mama Ellen told God many, many years before many of us were born, sitting on her bed, side of her bed. God, if you will keep me through this procedure, I'll serve you. She went through the procedure. Everything was fine. She wasn't serving God. And one day she's sitting on the bed, and here comes the Lord again. I love the Lord. The Lord says, I thought you said if I get you through the procedure, you're going to serve me. And that's when she started living for God. <laughs> so we're deal makers. And that's how many of us live our life. And we come into the church and we make deals with God. And not realizing it's all about our self-interest. We're doing this because it's what works best for us. What we can get out of the deal. Whatever we do in this life will provide a reward in one way, shape, or form. So don't you be amazed or mesmerized by any reward you may get from something else you're doing. What do you mean by that, preacher? The rewards that you get outside of God is deceptive. It's temporary. It, 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 it's only satisfying just for a moment. The rewards that you say or think that you get when you do what you like, it's only temporary. Sooner or later, you're going to need another reward and another reward and another reward. But I'm here to tell you, the rewards that you get from God will be eternal. It will be everlasting. But that still shouldn't be why you serve God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 2, the scripture says this. Therefore, when thou doest thine arms, when you give to people, when you give to charity, when you help people out, when, when, when you doest your arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. So there's some church people and there's some street people that they like for you to know what they're doing. I told them this morning, there are people that give to great causes. There are people that do nice things. And that don't mean they're nice. 
They have self-interest. That's why they're doing it. They want to be seen and talked about in a nice way. They want to have a nice reputation. But really in their heart, they are no good. They're just doing that just so they can look good. So what they're doing is for their own self-interest. Oh, I'll take you over here. Oh, I'll do that for you. You know why they're doing it? They're only doing it so you can like them. They're not doing it for the right reasons. Self-interest. Self-interest. The scripture says they're hypocrites. But this is what God says. They do it that they may have the glory of men. That's why some people give. They want to be recognized among people. They're doing it for the glory of men. They're doing it so they can get credit. So it's the, the scriptures here says, and this is Jesus speaking, that they have their, that, that, that they may have Glory of men. But here's Jesus' position on it. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. If you're living your life for the glory of others, for others to make you out to be this great person, that is your reward. But that's all is your reward. Don't forget it this morning. If what you do is for people to recognize you and give you a good reputation and talk good about you, that is all the reward is. And so people may talk good about you. People may say, that person is wonderful. They always give. They always support. They always do what you need. And if that's what you're doing it for, then that will be your reward. Your reward won't come from God. You're getting the reward from people because that's what you wanted. You set out that I'm going to do all of this so people can acknowledge me and honor me and talk good about me. And so you set out for that. You will get that. But you don't get anything from God because what you did was unto man, not unto God. The devil's accusation is that you are only living for God because of self-interest. That's what he's saying about you. How about we look into ourselves today and examine ourselves and ask ourselves the question, am I really trying to live for God out of self-interest or am I living for God out of love interest? Am I living for God because of self-interest or am I living for God out of love interest? Satan implies that God could have no servant serve him out of love. That's what Satan implies. Satan says, unless God pay his people extremely well, they won't live for him. Yep, Satan said, God, your work is not that big of a deal. It's just stuff that nobody wants to do. And unless you allure your people with good gifts. They ain't doing nothing for you. But Satan was speaking of himself. You see, what's in your heart and what's going on with you is what you tell people. Whatever you're telling people is what's really going on with you. Whatever you're accusing people of is really what's going on with you. How can you say that, preacher? Preacher. Because in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 8, the Bible says, 
Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. That was Satan talking to Christ. Saying, if you will worship me, I will give you all of these. So the devil was speaking his own heart when he was accusing Job and accusing the Lord of why people are living for God. Because what's in Satan's heart is, if you serve me, I will give you stuff. And that's what was in his heart from the very beginning. That's why he says, I will be as the most high. I will do this and I will do that. So what's always been in the devil corrupted self because that's what was wrong and why he can't be saved. He was always corrupt. He was always selfish. He was always about his self-interest. And sooner or later, your self-interest will come to the surface and it will lead you astray. Your self-interest will come to the surface and it will damage you. I, my self-interest, sooner or later, it comes to the surface and it will take you out. Can I tell you this? Here is a secret that, that, that you need to know. God allowed me to understand this clearly this morning, and I'm sharing it with you. When people walk away from Christ, when people that used to come to church and faithful and don't come anymore, when people start to begin to say why the church is not right and this is not good and that's not good, and when people start to say all different kind of things, it's because at some point, or it was always the point, self-interest is now working at its highest level in your life. You don't have to worry about, well, why and what? Self-interest. Unfortunately, we can't really ever see it and tell it, but God knows it. But what you can gather from people's action is self-interest. I'll show you before I close out today why it's self-interest. Because when you have self-interest, there are certain things you just can't do if, you, if you're not living according to self-interest. If you're living according to love, you do things differently than if you're living according to self-interest. If, if your interest is love, if, if you're coming from a place of love, there are certain things you will not do. But self-interest make you walk away from God. Self-interest make you stop going to church. Self-interest make you do whatever you feel you got to do. Right now, I'm sorry, this is what I got to do, and you're not listening to anybody. Pastor trying to tell you, this is what you need to do, that's what you need to do. And you're saying, I hear you about this, but guess why you're not doing it? The real truth is self-interest. Nothing else. And nobody can live for God and get to heaven just living from self-interest. There will be no selfish person in heaven. Because at the end of the day, your selfishness will destroy you. This is why a selfish person can't make it to heaven. Because at the end of the day, your selfishness will destroy you. We have seen it with Lucifer, Satan. Why do you think he can't be saved? Because his selfishness destroyed him. He only cared about what he wanted. I will be. I will do. I will be this. I will do that. And he just couldn't help himself. All of that was in his heart, and it just overtook him. It overtake him. And, and, and guess what? He got destroyed from that mindset of selfishness. I, I, I. Sooner or later, if how you're living your life is selfish, sooner or later, you're going to find yourself in a bad place. And you normally don't recoup from that because 
that's going to make you bitter. When you find yourself in a bad place of, of, of because you were selfish, you got to that point, sooner or later you get mad at everybody. And you don't want to talk to anybody and you don't, you don't go around anybody because now it's everybody's fault why you are where you are. Yeah, it's everybody's fault. This one could have did that. They knew what I was going through. Nobody did this for me. Nobody did this for me because they should have known and they could have came by and they could have called and they could have supported this. Nobody did anything for me. And so you don't have the way to get back because you have now become bitter. So self-interest will lead you down the road of bitterness. And when you become bitter, boy, that's one of those ones that most people don't recoup from. In verse 10, the Lord says, get thee behind, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Self-interest. Be careful of self-interest. Job proved to the devil he serves and worship the Lord Jesus because he loves him and not, he, Job proved that he was not living for God due to self-interest. How can you say that, preacher? Well, when Job lost everything, did he leave the church? When Job lost everything, did he start going around blaming people? Because he could have blamed everybody. When Job lost everything, did he, did, did, did he stop worshiping God? So that's how we know when you have the real deal. That's how we know when you're coming from a place of love. Is that no matter what happens in your life, you stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. No matter what's going on in your life, you are praising the Lord. No matter what's going on in your life, you're worshiping the Lord. That's how you know you're living for God for love and not for benefits, not for self-interest. Is when you're going through. Do I see you when you're going through or I don't see you when you're going through? I told people this. And sometimes I just use myself as an example just to get my point across, not for any other reason. I told people this. I, I am not perfect. And I remember when I was in the church, growing up in the church and learning things in the church, I remember things, I would do things wrong. And my seat in the church was always in the front. I don't even sit down. I just stood. And there were times my, my pastor was preaching up a storm hair on fire. I mean, preaching like, you know, a crazy madman. And a lot of stuff he preached was just hitting me. Bam. I felt like, I, it felt like he was a boxer. Deep. Boom, boom. Punches just coming. And I just stood here. Took, I just took it. And I never got off that front seat. I never left the church. I never got mad at him. I just kept on taking it. Because in my mind, I'm not here for the pastor. In my mind, whatever he's saying is the word of God. It's not his word. In my mind, I'm going to heaven. I'm living for God. And I don't care what he says. And I never Bring it. Flat-footed, bring it. I'm not letting nothing move me. I'm not letting nothing chase me out of the church. Bring it! Because I'm not there for all the benefits that everybody else could be there for. I'm not there because I'm looking for some reward. I'm there because I met a man named Jesus. I'm there because I fell in love with Jesus. I'm there because I know him for myself. I'm there because I know he loved me and I love him. That's why I'm there. I'm not there for all of the other stuff. That's why we're supposed to be in this thing. The why of Christianity. 
too many people have not been living for God or can't get themselves to live for God or they're trying to live for God, but they don't know why. They don't know why. They might have thought they knew why because in their mind, I want to go to heaven. They, they, they might be using the why as, well, you know, God has always been there for me. They might be living for God because they're like, you know, when I was sick, he healed me. When I was broke, he provided for me. Listen to me good. The devil can figure out a way to get you some money. You know what I never understood? You know what I never understood? The drug addicts that I knew in the street never had a job. Tell me how they was getting drugs. How were they able to buy drugs when they didn't have a job? How were they able to keep on smoking that thing when they had no job? Welfare wasn't giving them nothing. After a while, they ain't getting nothing. The devil will make a way for you to get what you need to destroy yourself. You'll figure it out. So don't think just because you was given something. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Watch yourself. The devil know how to bless you too. Because he is trying to get you to stay in that vein of self-interest. Because he knows as long as you keep getting stuff, you're going to keep on doing and keep being where you are. So whatever it is, if it's in the church and not really being a Christian, if it's in the world but not really, you know, serving God, he doesn't care. He just want to keep you right where you are. That's his goal. I want to keep you right where you are. And I know you're a transaction person. As long as I give you what you want, you're going to stay right where you are. He knows that. That's why he went to God and says, Job is a transaction person. That's what he went to God and says. I'm just giving you in our terms now. He went to God and says, your man Job, he a transaction dude. He ain't doing nothing. He, he, what do you think? He all faithful because, um, you know, he love you? No, no. He faithful because of all that you've given him. He's got ten children, three girls, seven boys. He's got big house. He's got you know, oxens and all of this stuff. That's the only reason why he's living for you, God. Because he got all that stuff. So now y'all know why all the Job stuff was gone. Because God has proven a point. And I'm here to tell you this morning. Sometimes as Christians, you're going through something not because you have sinned. Sometimes you're going through stuff not because God don't love you. <laughs> Sometimes you're going through stuff and the only reason why you're going through it is because God is trying to prove you. He's trying to do something in you. He's trying to take you to the next level. He's trying to help you to understand why you should love him and live for him. So don't you mistake it in thinking that you're going through a bad spat and, well, God must not love me. If you went to church because you felt like God opened the door and started taking care of you, if you went to church for that, whatever, what they said, what the old school told me, however you start a relationship, you're going to have to continue that way. You ever heard that? So, lady, if you met the dude and you started cooking for him right away, feel bad for you. 
You have to cook for him all the time. And when you don't cook for him, he's going to be mad. You ready for some more? If when you met him, you ain't let him wait for a good little while before he get some, you know, get some of that stuff. Guess what? The day you tell him he can't get none, oh, he leaving. Or he going to cheat on you. Because how you start something is how you expect it to continue. And if you start living for God because of what God can do for you. When God decides, because God not raising no spoiled kids. So when God decides, I'm going to hold this back. You're not getting this today. Was you going to stop serving him? That's some hard preaching, huh? It's truth. Job 1 and 20, the Bible says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Job wasn't living for God because of stuff. Because if he was living for God for stuff, he would have been mad. He would have been upset. And you know when you're mad and upset, you can't, you ever, <laughs> if you ever get mad and upset as a Christian and somebody come to you and says, I thought you were a Christian, that don't calm you down. <laughs> that ever happened to you? You get mad and upset and you want to go tell the person, somebody come up and tell you, I thought you was a Christian. Why are you mad and upset like that? That don't calm you down. That makes you want to go even more crazy. And so Job could have went even more crazy when all his stuff was gone. But Job worshipped the Lord. Psalms 34 and 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so Job is trying to let us know. And when you see in the scripture, it's saying no matter what's going on in your life, you should bless God. You should worship God no matter what. Because you're not in this for stuff. You're not in this for reward. You're not in this because God has been good. You're in this because God is who he says he is. And you have come in a relationship with him. And you love him. You're worshiping him because you love him. You're praising him because you know him. And that's why you're doing it, not for stuff. Thessalonians 5 and 18 says, in everything. It didn't say in some things. It says in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I'm here to tell you it might look like the worst of times in your life. It might seem like things are just going south. Things are just not working right. I don't care how bad it looks. Somebody hear me today. I'm here to tell you just stand strong. Don't you waver. Don't you go in your own way. Don't you allow self interest to guide you, uh, but stand firm uh, and see the salvation of the Lord. Uh, trust in the Lord uh, with all your heart uh, and lean not to your own understanding. Uh, in all your ways acknowledge Him uh, and He will direct your path. Uh, don't you move. Uh, don't you be shaken. Uh, don't you let anything take you in the wrong direction. You are serving God for who He is and because you know Him and you love Him. That's why you're serving God. You're not serving God for what he can do. The day you serve God for what he can do for you is the day you can be bought by somebody else. 
Let's not wait till we have to lose everything before we decide, okay, okay. And even that time, that's not good because you're going to go serve him so you can get everything back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen to me. Your soul is all you have. You came in this world as a soul, and you will leave this world the same. Nothing you gain while you are here in this world, nothing you have gained, you can take with you when you leave this world. Why are we going crazy for the material things and for all of these, for for reputation and for material things? Even your reputation, man, church. I've been to a lot of funerals. I've known a lot of people that died. And I'm telling you, your reputation will last when you're out of here. I, I, I told you a few weeks ago that when you first die, you know, maybe your wife or maybe your children go through it a couple of weeks after you're gone. But even them, life goes on. I don't, I'm not even telling you it's a bad thing because if they don't start living, they too will die. So the loved ones that you leave behind, they have to start living after you. Because if they don't live, then they're going to be messed up. So they got to keep going. So after you die, after a while, your reputation don't mean anything. Your material thing that you gave, somebody else sold it and got the money for it. So between your reputation and your material thing, what do you really have? But you're fighting to say, ah, 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 you know, this is mine. Self-interest is ruling you. When, when you leave here, what you're leaving with? Ecclesiastes 5 and 15 says, As he came forth, out of his mo- came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor. I don't care what you labor. I don't care what position you held. I don't care what your name was on the company's wall. You aren't here anymore. And if you go tell somebody at the company, oh, so-and-so was my dad, they're going to tell you, well, so-and-so ain't here no more. I'm running this company. Timothy 6 and 6, 1 Timothy 6 and 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. Why are we allowing self-interest to dominate us? Why are we allowing self-interest to run our life, even in the church? I don't know if I'm going to church today, because I don't know what he's going to say. And, 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 and I don't know if he got a word for me today. I'm just going to stay home and put on the TV. Maybe T.D. Jakes or somebody got, got a word for me. I need a word today. I need a word. I need a word. Let me get on the TV and see if I can get a word. And since pandemic, oh, this is our thing. I need a word. Let me go down to this church. Let me go down to that church. I need a word. And so we're flicking all over the channel so we can get a word. What do you think that is? Oh, y'all are, what a great class. I love this church. Oh, my goodness. I love this church. Self-interest. Because you got to get a word. You want to hear who preaching good today. You want to do, all this stuff is all about your interests. What about God? (laughs) I close up with this. Job proved he was not living for God because of self-interest, but because he loved God. Love interest, love interest, love God. Church, that's, that. if I'm not getting through this, I'm trying to get this through. We're, we need to love God. This is why we're supposed to be doing this, because we love God. 
First John 4 and 19 says we love him because he first loved us. The first thing we were introduced to when we were introduced to God was love. The Bible says God is love. So this is why it's important for everybody who gets saved that the first thing that initiates or ignites you getting saved is the revelation of who God is. Because when you come to get the revelation that Jesus Christ is almighty God in the flesh, when you get that revelation, you realize God is love. He did whatever was necessary to save us. And he came from out of heaven, clothed himself in flesh, walked this earth and did what was necessary died for our sins that we can be saved so how can you be introduced to love because that's what started this whole thing love started this ball rolling love is what introduced this whole thing to mankind why are we not realizing that this thing is about love and it's not about self-interest it's not about your self-interest it's not about what you want. Now, don't get it twisted like anything else. So it's no big deal. Don't strike me down, Lord. Like anything else, but it's no big deal. You will always be rewarded for something that you do. So it's automatic. The reward that you get, I'm not telling you to live for God and, and not think you're going to get a reward. I'm saying live for God in spite of the rewards you're getting. I'm saying live for God even if you know you're getting a reward. Don't let the reward be the driving force while you're living for God. Let God be the driving force for why you're living for him. That's what I'm saying. Don't live for God because you got to get this and you got to get that. So automatically living for God, you will be rewarded. But if you keep your eyes on that, sooner or later you're going to derail. Because self-interest will destroy you. Self-interest will destroy all of us. Our relationship with the Lord must be based on love. It must not be based on self-interest. It might start out that way. I'm not telling you most of us didn't come to the kingdom of God because of self-interest. I understand that. What I'm saying is when you get the revelation of God, who he is, that he is love, then you're supposed to realize the real reason behind this whole Christianity thing. It's about relationship. It's about love. It's not about what you can get out of the deal. If all you're worried about is heaven, you're going to be wishy-washy. You're going to be up and down. You're going to be hot and cold because all you want is what you want. When you're not getting what you want, you're going to be whining, pouting, doing what you want. God, why am I not doing this? So and so. And jealousy comes about because now you see other people getting stuff and you're not getting stuff and you think God did you wrong because you're all about self interest. In John 4 and 8, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So if you've been in church and you've been living for God and it's not because of love, you've been living for a God you don't know. If you've been in church and you've been living for God and you are not doing it from a position of love, you've been living for God and not for the right reasons. Because God is love. And when you know God, you know love. 
But if you don't know God, you don't know love, which means if you don't know God, if I don't care if you repented of your sins and got baptized in Jesus name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you don't know God, then you're not living for God from a place of love. You're living for God for some selfish reason, because if you're not living for God from a place of love, it's for selfish reasons. It's, I don't have to get into the reasons. It's selfish. Because love is not selfish. Love is not selfish. And so stand with me. What did the scripture say about love? Love is not selfish. How about we look at the love scripture real quick before we close out here today so you understand if you're living for God, these things are supposed to be showing up in your life as you're living for God. In 1 Corinthians 13 and 4, the word charity means love. It says charity suffereth long. So why every time there's a hard situation, you, you run? Why are you running every time there's a hard situation? Why are you running when the preacher preach hard? Why are you running when you feel like somebody treated you wrong that day? Why are you running? The Bible says love suffered long. The Bible says love is kind. The Bible says love does not envy. The Bible says love vaunted not itself. It doesn't brag and show off. The Bible says love is not puffed up. Look at me. Again, self-interest say, look at me. That ain't love. The Bible says, love does not behave itself unseemly. Love doesn't seek it its own. Love is not easily provoked and don't think any evil. When you start thinking evil of people, love is not present. This is how we're supposed to be living for God. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be, a, be knowledge, it shall vanish. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. This is all good stuff here, man. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I taught, I thought, I, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I told him this this morning. I am challenging you big time so you can examine yourself and make sure you're living for God from a place of love and not from a place of selfishness. Understand this. Children cannot love you. Children don't know love. God is love. Children don't know God. They, I'm not telling you they can't sense his presence. I'm not telling you God don't love them. I'm not telling you God don't touch them. But they don't know God. And so the bottom line is, as a child, you and I will not know God. So when you live for God as a child, what does that mean? Self-interest. Children are supposed to only be able to self-interest. They need that because they need somebody to take care of them. When they came out of the womb, they needed someone to take care of them. So that's all they need. And that's all they knew. As they got older and they grew, they became mature. And hopefully the parents taught them now to start giving to others, to stop being selfish, to not make it about them now. 
but to be about goodness toward others. And now they come into relationship with Almighty God. Now they understand who love is and what love is. And so the bottom line is when we have self-interest, we are living our life as children. And children don't know love. So if you're in a church and all you want to experience is gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. It just means that you haven't grown up yet. And you don't know love yet. But we've got faith. We're not in the position of the devil. We can still get to a place of knowing God and live for God by faith. Listen, this last thing I will tell you. Christianity is not a hoax. Some people think it is because when they when, when they're not getting what they want, but they thought they was getting what they want from the beginning, they think it's a hoax. But self-interest won't last you. So this Christianity thing is not a hoax. It is not a ruse. It is not a business transaction. Christianity is not the stock market. Christianity is not like anything else that you have ever experienced in your life. So stop treating it as such. Don't let your mind go rampant and start to go down the road of self-interest like everything else that you do. Because self-interest is not what God is all about. God is love. And love is not about self-interest. Love is not about itself. Love is not about me, me, me. Love is about others. Here is the definition of love. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So if you study who God is and what God did to save us, here is love in a nutshell. Love is to do whatever is necessary to benefit the person you love. Circle that. Highlight that. Love is to do whatever necessary to benefit, not to please, because we can have bad, we want to please, we want to be pleased all the time. And some things that the person who loves us have to do, it might not be pleasing to us. So you can't go with the word please. You're supposed to please me. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But you're supposed to do everything that's in my best interest. And when you say you love someone, you do whatever is necessary to take care of what's in their best interest. And their best interest starts with the word of God, God. That's where their best interest will always originate from. So when you say you love somebody, you're saying there is no boundaries. There are no lines that I'm not going to cross to do whatever is necessary to make sure you're benefited, to make sure you're better off because I did what I needed to do. That's what love is. And remember when God created in the beginning, God was invisible. And God became visible because no one was qualified who was human and visible to shed their blood for the sins of mankind. So God did what was necessary. What was necessary? That there would be an unblemished human, a righteous human who had never sinned. He became that. So he did whatever was necessary so he can save us what was in our best interest. That's love. So when you think about love, it's never selfish. It's always about somebody else. 
You will always get benefits because God loves you and God says, I will owe no man nothing. Whatever God asks you to do, he will let benefits flow in your life. All good stuff will come to you. But please don't put your eyes on that to say, that's why I'm going to live for God, because that will disappoint you. Because how you see things and what you're dealing with, it will not always be that way. At some point in time, things will change and you're going to walk away from God if all you were living for God for was for your self-interest. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today for your word. Lord, you've been good to us, but today we have learned that that it's not because of your goodness why we need to be Christians. It's not because you bless us why we need to be Christians. It's not because you can take care of us is, is why we need to be Christians. But Lord, you called us to a faith, to a lifestyle that is about love. Ah, ah. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for every person today under the sound of my voice, that they will respond to the preaching and teaching of your word. To, Lord, let love be the basis of why they're walking with you. To let love be the basis of why they're living for you and serving you. To let love be the basis of all of their actions, Lord. And that they will not just live for you for what you can do for them. For the rewards or for heaven or for healing. But, God, that they will live for you. Oh, God, from a place of love, I pray today that the love of God will be shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Ghost overtake us, Lord God, and work in us and through us that we may bring honor and glory to the name of the Lord, that we will prefer our brother and our sister over ourselves, Lord God. I pray today, Lord Jesus, that your gentle spirit will move upon us and move over us, Lord God, that we're able, Lord God, to go forward in love. Somebody hear the word of God today. Reach out to your king. Reach out to the Savior and just let him know to reveal more of himself to you. For you want to know him more intimately. You want to know him in a way where you can truly serve him for who he is and not serve him for his benefits. Oh God, have your way today in this place and in the heart of your people. I pray and ask Lord Jesus uh, that you will draw us nigh unto thee and reveal Lord Jesus the intimate things about you to us Lord God. We want to know you. We want to live for you in righteousness. We want to live for you by faith. We want to live for you Lord God. Oh, Father, from a place of love, I thank you today, Lord Jesus, for speaking to our heart, for speaking to our mind, for giving us the, oh God, principles of how we ought to walk with you and how we ought to live for you and how we ought to serve you. I thank you for the instructions and principles. Now, Lord, I pray that it will take hold of us and move us, Lord God, to a place of of doing what you have commanded, of doing what you have spoken to us, Lord God. I thank you today for your goodness. I thank you today, Lord God, for your word and for the gathering of the body of Christ and for the love of God that is in our heart. Lord Jesus, have your way today as we give you praise and honor. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Come on, let's thank the Lord today. Let's bless his name. The Lord is good. His mercy everlasting and His truth enduring to all generation. Jesus, you are Lord. We thank you today.
Pastor, we thank God today for Kino. Thank you for coming. We appreciate you being here. And I want you to know that if there's anything at all that we can ever do for you, please don't hesitate. We're always here. We should move in a few more uh, weeks. We'll be out of here and in a new place. But we look forward to you being with us again. And thank you for coming. Amen. God bless you. Whatever we can do, just please ask. If you're here today and you've never been born again, you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you come and see me. We will give you instructions on how you need to be born again. Nobody can get to heaven without being born again of the water and of the spirit. And nobody can get to heaven if they're not a part of the body of Christ. If you need to know how to become a part of the body of Christ, to be born again and not be left behind, you don't know when you're going to leave this place. But if you will give your life to God, you will be ready to leave anytime your numbers call. So come and see me if you want to know how to get saved, and I will help you. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day in Jesus' name.